This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 184 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, I hope everybody out there right now is having a great week so far. And you know what? If you're not, Just remember that we are one week closer now to the upcoming NBA season. And I know a lot of people are thinking about football, and you know, I am too. I'll include myself in that. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that if you are thinking about football. But just remember, the NBA will be back again before you know it. In the meantime, though, I've got a fun conversation for you today with a Clippers collector named John. Um, And I really enjoyed looking at his Instagram account. He's somebody that I've followed for a while now. But I have to say, after chatting with him, I appreciate looking at that account even more. And I think you will too. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Before we get there, however, we can't forget about this week's installment of Collector Classifieds. So here we go. Hi, this is Chartree, aka Wade underscore Zoe on Instagram. I'm collecting the 2017-18 and 2018-19 Panini Status Status Parallels. These are the ones that Kyle had discussed with Evan way back in episode 89 of this podcast. For those of you unfamiliar with this set, these parallels are different to the base versions as they have additional pink and green colouring, and most importantly, they have a print run serialed to the player's jersey number. So for example, LeBron is out of 23, Luca is out of 77, and players who wear double zero, zero, or one are all one of ones. I've now hit the halfway point of this very unlikely set chase and have 150 of the 300 cards across both seasons. I'm always looking to see how many more I can add to the PC, so if anyone comes across any others, please reach out and let me know. Thanks, Kyle, for having me, and have a great show. Okay, so as you just heard, Chatri is looking for Panini status status parallels. Yes, that's right. The parallel and the product share the same name. And he mentioned the fact that Evan and I have chatted about these cards before. I believe Sholey and I have as well, probably a couple times. So, you know, they've received quite a bit of airtime on this show. However, none of us that have talked about it on the show are doing the full set, but Shatri is. And um, I've talked a little about him on the show before because he was kind enough to gift me a Cassius Stanley status parallel from another year, numbered to two. And I'm, I'm still incredibly thankful for that. So it would be nice if we could come together to help him track down some of these other cards. And from the sound of things, I think he would really appreciate that. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. 
As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hi, this is Alan Siegel, the designer of the NBA logo, and now you're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so joining me today is a first-time guest on the show, and even though we've messaged some back and forth, this is the first time that we've actually chatted. So, John, even though we collect different teams, I feel like we have very similar tastes. I love looking at your collection and your profile, so I'm really excited to get to know more about you and, and how you acquired some of those cards. Uh, so, John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and appreciate you reaching out. And um, yeah, I'm excited for the conversation. It's always good to, to put a face to the to the user, the account name, and and the voice. So uh, excited for the conversation. And you guys at home can't see this, but he is wearing a Paul George shirt. Um, I I want to ignore the fact, but uh, I I have to address that uh, Paul George. Hopefully he does not have uh, the same exit from the Clippers that he had with the Pacers. Hopefully everything ends on good terms for you. I don't wish ill will on you. I do have a little bit of ill will towards Paul George, um, <laughs> but it is what it is. Now, uh, I didn't mention it in the intro, and, and I guess people have gathered this by now anyway, but your social media handle is, is Clips Card Fan. Um, so okay. you're a Clippers fan, right? And even though I've had a, another Clippers fan on the show before, it still doesn't feel like the team has a huge following, uh, especially in the world of the hobby. So before we even approach your collecting history, I feel like it's probably a good idea to address your Clippers fandom first. So tell me, how did all of this even come about? Yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned that. It, it there's an ongoing joke on on Twitter that there are only 29 Clipper fans in existence. <laughs> um, so I kind of feel like that. Um, but joking aside, yeah. So I, you know, I'm originally uh, I live in LA now, um, and I've lived in LA for most of my life. But I'm actually originally from Texas, um, South Texas, to be exact. And interestingly enough, growing up. Um, I was actually a Laker fan starting out. Maybe I shouldn't admit that, but yeah, I'm going okay. to anyway. Um, because back then, like where I lived, there were no pro teams. Like the closest pro team was San Antonio and the Spurs. And back in the kind of eighties, like, you know, they were pretty bad and kind of irrelevant. Right. And so for me and my buddies growing up, we kind of needed to, you know, pick a team. And back then it was either Lakers or Celtics, right? Those were kind of the two big teams. And so I chose the Lakers. Um, but then fast forward to uh, right when I started high school, my family, we moved out to L.A. And that was right when like Danny Manning was drafted, you know, they acquired um, Ron Harper. And so the team was like up and coming, exciting. And that coincided with me moving to a new city. Um, and so that started my my interest in the Clippers um, and kind of what cemented it. And I, I've, I wrote about this in the past or posted about this is. Um, like that first year when I moved, my family and I went to a department store um, to go shopping. And off in the distance is this like super tall guy. And I take a second look and it's Danny Manning. 
Oh, wow. And no one's like paying him any attention. He's just kind of minding his own business. So I was just awestruck, super nervous. Um, in fact, I was so nervous. I actually asked my little sister to go approach him for an autograph. Like I, 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 I was just too nervous to do that. Um, but like that personal interaction, you know, and it was super cool, um, you know, signed it, said thank you. I said I was a big fan. Um, and so that really, for me, cemented my, my, my fandom. And ever since then, you know, I've we've definitely had some lean years, some tough times and wrote it through. I think the other thing that, that kind of sealed it for me is later on in sort of the mid nineties, late nineties, um, obviously them being, you know, traditionally pretty bad, they get pretty high draft picks. Right. And so mm -hmm. they'd end up drafting guys that I liked that I followed. Um, one of them being Lamont Murray, um, who went to my alma mater, uh, UC Berkeley, Cal. And I was, you know, that was awesome. That was like a dream come true. It was like, I had, you know, just finished college. And so moved back down to LA and here's a guy who, um, went to college at the same time I did actually ended up, we were neighbors for a year, although I barely saw him, um, but ended up being drafted by the team that, that I liked. So that was, that was, that was cool. And Rodney Rogers and so, so on and so forth. Um, so that's kind of how my Clipper fandom was born and, and I've been a fan ever since. Now you mentioned there kind of your apprehension of approaching Danny Manning. Uh, I would, you know, after looking at your profile, I would say it, it's safe to say that um, you you've gotten a lot more used to that, especially on your recent trip to uh, you went to summer league this past yeah. summer. Um, yeah. So, which I'm a little jealous about because um, you know, I've lived in the Orlando area for, you know, since almost 2003 now and the Pacers used to have summer league here, but it was close to the public. So I was always so close, but I could never go. Whereas the situation out West is completely different. And now everything's kind of migrated there anyway, but you got to go to Vegas to watch your Clippers play. And then I, I look at your pictures and you're running into all these players and Clippers, former Clippers and Marcus Camby. To, um, can you tell me a little bit about this summer league trip? Is this a normal thing? Is this a first time thing? How did all this come about? Yeah. Um, so you're right. On the West Coast, we, we kind of had a, di a different setup, even going back um, a couple decades. Right. There used to be the Long Beach Summer League. Um, that's not too far where I lived. And, you know, I would go there in the summers when I was, you know, in high school later on in my life to just go catch some games. Um, so, yeah, we've always sort of on the West Coast uh, been fortunate to have the, kind of that access to, to basketball, even during the summer and the off season. Um, but, yeah, I actually ended up going being in Vegas um, on a trip during summer league, this must've been like four or five years ago. So I got a sort of small taste of it. Like, obviously I wasn't there for summer league, but I was there like at the tail end of it. And just to remember at my hotel, there being like, you know, random players um, from the past and executives and just, you know, being able to see them in person and just, you know, they're just regular guys, right. They're just hanging out, you know, walking back from the restaurant or they're in the casino. And like, so that gave me the taste of like, wow, like this is actually a, Kind of a cool environment and a convening of the league in the off season. So coming out of COVID, I'm sure like a lot of us, like, you know, I've been reflecting about stuff that makes me happy. makes me joyous, like stuff that I really want to do. And one of those things that was on my list was to go to summer league. So I did it. Um, we made it kind of a family trip. So that was cool. Just being there with my kids. Um, the purpose was, yeah, to go to actual summer league games, which we, we managed to do and watch the basketball, but really what ended up happening, like you mentioned, was like, especially at the, the hotel we ended up staying at, like there were just players like all over the place. Like you turn left, there was, you know, a Hall of Famer, you turn right, there's like a rookie, like 
I actually made a list after I left because you know some of my I was texting my buddies and, and they wanted to see everyone. Like I have a list of like fifty players long hmm. of just people that I either a lot of them I interacted with, but you know a lot of them I just saw. And again, there's they're just hanging out there, um, you know, just catching up. Uh, one of the pictures that I, I posted, which was an amazing experience, is you know we were this is like the first night we got there. Um, we were just hanging out in the casino. Um, my sisters were there too. So we're just, you know, catching up. Um, and my oldest kind of turns around and he says, Hey, look. So I was like, what, who is it? He's like, it's, it's Jalen Brown. So Jalen Brown's like walking, you know, from this side, from, from the right side coming in. And of course there's a little crowd forming behind him asking for pictures and photos. And then, so we're stopping there. It's like, okay, you know, maybe it'd be cool to approach him. And then from the left side, Jason Tatum walks in. And then they like meet in the middle of the casino, literally in front of hundreds of people that are just standing there awestruck. And they just hugged and like, you know, chatted up and, you know, it, it looked like they hadn't seen each other since the finals. Like, you know, this is like July, like early July, right? Mm-hmm. Um, end of June kind of thing. Um, and so just seeing moments like that was just amazing. So yeah, I'd highly recommend that if anyone can um, make it out there because yeah, I saw like, I met Isaiah Thomas, um, you know, Gary Payton I saw, like, you know, we saw a bunch of Clippers there were out there, Reggie Jackson and Mayor Coffey, who I love, uh, Ty Lu, um, you know, we, we, we met him. So, yeah, it, it's just an amazing environment where guys are just approachable. And, again, you want to, you know, be respectful. Like, you don't want to mob them every time. So there are a lot of guys that I just kind of see the distance and kind of put a mental note in my head as they were there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's an amazing experience. In addition to the basketball, right, we enjoyed, obviously, the basketball, but just kind of seeing all these players. Um, live in person and in front of you. So it was pretty, pretty cool. It looked like you had pretty good seats too, for some of the basketball, because I think you had a, was it a video of, of John Morant kind of chirping at somebody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the setup there is they have two uh, gyms that they play in. Right. So there's like the big major gym, which is the Thomas and Mack center where, you know, the, you know, the running rebels play. And then right next door, I guess it's more like a practice gym, Cox pavilion, uh, which is tiny. It's like, basically the size of a decent sized high school gym. And so the Clippers, their game was fortunately in there. So we got there early. Yeah. I got like basically front row seats right behind. It ended up being the Grizzlies bench because the Clippers are playing the Grizzlies and yeah, John, his entourage rolled in and they were just like, you know, joking with people like making them. There was this one video I think I posted of um, John at one point tried to challenge. There was a, there was a coach's uh, challenge, which you know, it's crazy to think about it simply, but um, so there was a pretty long pause during the, the game and Jaw just started chatting up one of the security guards next to him and challenged him to one-on-one. He's like, why can't we go out there? And the, 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 the guard, I, from what I could hear, was like, hey, I could get fired like doing that. He's like, what do you mean? Come on, I'm John Moran. Like, let's just go out there and play. Like, just little interactions like that were, uh, were, were really cool to witness. I'm sure your kids enjoyed that as well. And, and it's probably a, a good time for them. It's probably easier to pitch them on Clippers basketball right now than – uh, some of the previous eras now that you've got Kawhi and PG and uh, a lot of exciting things happening out there. I'm I'm assuming you're, you're pleased with the direction of the team right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is like the golden age of Clipper basketball. Um, obviously we've had a couple seasons that didn't end and as, as well as we had hoped. And then, you know, this last season with Kawhi was a little bit of a, a blip. Um, but yeah, this upcoming season, like we're all fired up and my kids go to games. Like I've been taking them. I have three boys um and i've been taking all of them since they were you know little babies um so yeah we're all fired up for this season and fingers crossed it it turns out well for us awesome yeah i saw and and then you i saw some chargers stuff and some herbert stuff too so you got a a, 
a pretty good sports situation right there, I would say. Yeah. Um, all right, now that we have some of the background as, as why you're a Clippers fan and, and not a Lakers fan, because that was going to be one of my questions, let's steer things more towards cards. And over the years, I've found that a lot of people um, have similar collecting backgrounds. You know, there's kind of like three, you know, three similar stories and, and people fit into those areas here, but there are still little details that set each collector apart. And that's what I like to hear. So can you take some time here to narrate some of your hobby history for us? Sure. Um, yeah, I think like a lot of us, I started collecting when I was a kid. Um, and this is sort of like late 80s time frame. So, you know, back then, I remember, I think my first um, hobby experience was was buying packs of, of NBA hoops, which had just come out. I think that was the first year of the run. So I bought a bunch of those, like, you know, the supermarket there there was a card shop in town that i'd go to and pick up packs you know nothing serious um and then it just sort of evolved from there picked up skybox when it was released picked up fleer and so that for me was a way and again you know growing up in south texas like we didn't have a professional team so like i had never gone to a professional ball game um whether it be basketball or football and so for me it was always remote either through the tv or connecting cards right so that, that, that's kind of how i I did it. Um, and I collected everything. Like it wasn't like team focused. I would just be like ripping packs and like, you know, putting stuff in binders. Um, of course there was a period there, like a lot of us when, you know, like upper deck just came out. Uh, and so I'd, I'd open up, um, like upper deck baseball for instance. And I had the Ken Griffey jr, which everyone has and, and, and then score football came out. So I got like Troy Aikman who, because I was from Texas, you know, his rookie card there was a big one for me and Barry Sanders. So, I put those away. I actually found them recently. I put them a, a bunch of those cards in one touches thinking that I was going to set myself up for like being a millionaire, you know, 30 years later um, with these like, you know, super rare rookie cards that I thought were in mint condition that I put in, 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 uh, in holders. But um, yeah, that, that, that kind of was what started me um, going. And then, you know, as I got into high school and, and college, uh, I, I kind of veered away with other interests um, from the hobby, but I always sort of had that like couple binders full of just, again, just like mainly basketball cards of guys that, that, that I found and collected. Um, you know, I got a lot of the Fleer at the time. I remember the, the 86 Jordan was still like the Holy Grail of cards, but for a kid like me, like that was even at like, I can't remember how much they were, maybe like 50, hundred bucks back then. Like that was a super stretch. Like that was the grail and I could never afford that. So I picked up like, you know, the 87, 88, clear cards as sort of the backup and, and stuff like that. Um, but fast forward to, you know, later on, um, the pandemic really is like a lot of us, like I was sitting at home, you know, Clipper basketball was on, but you couldn't go to games. And so you're just finding ways to like reconnect, right. And find that sort of passion for basketball, passion for the sport that you love, passion for the players and the team. Um, and so I started, you know, hopping on eBay, you know, looking at uh, forums, at blowout and stuff like that, and just getting up to speed. And obviously, you know, the, the hobby was blowing up and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was the perfect storm of like the Clippers actually being relevant because, uh, you know, uh, obviously there was, like we talked about earlier, there's a long period of time where they were irrelevant. So they're not, frankly, where there wasn't a lot of reason to, to go after cards, right? I mean, there was, you know, the Lob City, Blake Griffin period, um, as well, but I, I was, you know, uh, pretty knee deep in starting my family and, and working and all that kind of stuff. 
But now, like, it was a perfect storm. I was at home, you know, clippers are blown up. And so I started getting back slowly into the hobby. And that was about almost a year and a half ago um, that I did. I just started picking up players. Um, and my goal originally was to try to basically get a card for every player that ever played for the Clippers. Like that was kind of my big like stretch goal, um, which I'm still not there, but like that was a great reason to do it because again, like that was a mix of like big players like Kawhi, PG, you know, CP3, Blake Griffin, but also, you know, a bunch of obscure guys who you could pick up in dollar boxes or find on eBay um, for, for pretty cheap. So that really got me going and really got me like those like sort of, collecting juices flowing. And then ever since then, it's been sort of a, a, a evolution of sorts um, kind of to where my account is now. You know, you kind of collection. Well, I was telling you earlier, um, it, it kind of surprised me that you are, I don't know what the term would be a pandemic era collector or you're, you know, someone that's come back during the pandemic because I look at your profile and you, I feel like you're, you've got really good taste and from, you know, different eras and you're, you're finding things that uh, maybe aren't, you know, obvious to some people or, or things that, um, you know, people that have been in the hobby longer, maybe that they've had in their collections, like it, your collection looks like it's been around for longer than a year and a half. So I really like the way that you've curated that. And, um, you know, I think to call you a Clippers collector is, you know, a team collector. I think that's an appropriate title here because you've got everyone from Bob McAdoo to Luke Kennard to Swin Nader to Darius Miles. Uh, it's not all about Kawhi and PG. And I mentioned Bob McAdoo there. He was on the team when they were the Buffalo Braves. So right. he never, you know, never really was a clipper. Um, so what all factored into your decision to collect the entirety of the franchise's history, even before they were in LA? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it always starts with being a team, like a fan of the team first, right? It's sort of like the way I think about my collecting is team player then card. And so if you sort of follow that, then it leads you down this path of like, okay, what's the history of the team? What's been the evolution of the team? Like a lot of it for me, frankly, just been like learning and um, kind of digging into the history. Like you said, you know, they started off as, as, as the Buffalo Braves. Um, you know, at one point there was this like franchise swap between them and the Celtics, right? That, that, mm -hmm. that, that's really interesting. Um, then they moved out to San Diego set up shop in San Diego for several years. Um, and then Donald Sterling bought the team, moved them to LA and, 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 and the rest is kind of history. But yeah, if you kind of start with that, that, that sort of premise of like team collector first, player, then card, that kind of leads you down this path of like, okay, here are all the great players that have played. Here's all the interesting stories about those players. And then you start falling into like, hey, here are actually the cool cards, the, the, some of the seminal cards, but just stuff that like catches my eye, right? Like, you know, I'll go to shows or uh, I'll be kind of scrolling through eBay and just, you know, stuff that just is, is, is significant, but also eye catching, I think are important to me as I think about my collecting um, has really kind of driven that approach. Um, and then like a lot of us, like it evolves over time. Right. So like I said, when I started out, my goal was to try to like collect every Clipper player and then share that on, on, on a place like Instagram, and that's evolved now to say, okay, I'm still trying to do that. It, it's going to take a while. Um, but that's led me to think about, and again, this whole reflection and, and team connection of like, what are some of the great teams that I remember growing up, right? Or that really, you know, kept me going as a Clipper. And 
you know, we had talked originally about like that original late um, late eighties, early nineties run with, with Danny Manning and, and Ron Harper, which actually wasn't really a run. It was like maybe two years of success, but then like the next era being like, you know, around the two thousands of like Darius miles, you know, Quentin Richardson, Lamar Odom. Like I actually had season tickets that, that during that whole run, which again, didn't last very long, but like there was a moment in time that was like really exciting they sort of caught attention to the league. You know, they had their own Nike commercials or on Sports Illustrated. So like collecting that team like has been a focus and like, again, sort of like seminal cards or just cool cards, whether it be a, a rookie refractor or, or a numbered insert. Um, and then fast forwarding to the, you know, 05, 06 team, which, you know, before this sort of Kawhi PG version was like the most successful version of the Clippers, right? They actually made it to the second round with Sam Cassell, Elton Brand, Katino Mobley. And so, you know, that one, like I really deep dived into that one. Like I got the whole tops, you know, chrome gold set for, from that team. Cause again, it just like, it's, it's a way to have that, you know, relive that emotional connection to that team, some great moments um, and really highlight, you know, some players and teams that maybe people have forgotten. Like, yeah, Clippers have not had a, a ton of success in the league or, or, or super popular, but they, they have had some success and they do have a history. So, I really want to acknowledge it as much as I can and bring that into my collection and obviously tradition with others. Yeah, I will say, you know, the 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 times that they have been successful, they were a lot of fun to watch from a non-Clippers yeah. perspective. You know, you had that team with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson and, you know, yeah. the slam cover and all the hand signals and everything. And then Lob City, I you know, I love watching Lob City. Okay, guys, allow me to interrupt for a moment here to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com, your home for buying, selling, and flipping all types of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 28 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. For more information, you can check them out on social media under the handle at CheckOutMyCards. So you you build up this amazing Clippers collection, but you're also chasing some cards of some non-Clippers players. And lately you've been posting pickups from your ongoing Beam Team chase. And when I say Beam Team, I think a lot of people will you know probably default to the 92 or the 93 set. But you're chasing the die cut iteration from 2000. And all of the cards, I believe, are numbered to 500. Uh, tell me about the origins of that pursuit and then talk me through some of your progress so far. Yeah, that one has been an interesting um, set to build. Um, I actually ended up getting the Darius Miles from that set in a, in a clipper lot that I bought, like kind of early on when I got back in the hobby. And, um, you know, it, was some, it wasn't a card that I was aware of, but it was cool. And, you know, when I got it in person, like it's pretty striking and pretty unique, right? That, that die cut is not just the sort of traditional border die cut, but it's actually, you know, kind of segmented. It's got like, you know, lines and stuff in between. Um, plus it's got that sort of refraction element to it. So it's just a really kind of cool and unique card. Um, and so I started looking into it. I'm like, hey, like what about the rest of the set? And then of course it turns out there's a Lamar Odom, which I picked up, right? Clippers. So again, starting with Clippers and sort of the team first. And there was an Alan Brand, and then as I started looking at the set, I'm like, wow, this is actually a really cool set that checks off a lot of boxes for me, right? So one, it's you know, a set of 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 like these late 90s players that you know a lot of us grew up watching and appreciate. So those like the big guys like Kobe, AI, 
you know, Shaq, KG, stuff like that. Um, there's Hall of Famers like Gary Payton, Jason Kidd. And then there's some like, you know, uh, guys that, again, were popular back in the day, but, you know, folks now may not remember, like, you know, Larry Hughes, mm-hmm. right? Um, Jamal Swift, like just guys like that, that, you know, had sort of name recognition or for a brief period of time where maybe had some success, um, but kind of fell off the radar. So for me, like one, that, that, that really caught my attention, just like the breadth of it. And like, you know, again, being able to connect with, with players that I, I, I liked in the past. Um, and then, as you mentioned, they're, you know, they're numbered to 500. So they're like, you know, there's some rarity, but they're not super hard to find. And then last is like, yeah, they're really eye appealing, um, really just cool, unique design. And so for all those reasons, I decided to chase it. And I think the other thing that's unique is I told myself, look, like I'm going to put myself on a budget, right? Which I know for a lot of hobbyists is hard to do. Like I, I, I blow my budget every month. Um, but this one, I'm like, look, I'm, if I'm going to chase this for sort of the quote unquote non-stars, I'm going to try to keep it at like 35 bucks or below. Mm-hmm. And then for like the mid tier, you know, hall of famers, semi all-stars, I'm going to do like, you know, 65, 70 bucks. And then of course, for the big guys, I'm going to have to stretch like a Kobe. I ended up getting from a local, you know, um, Kobe slash Lakers collector here in town who, who posted it up on, on Instagram. Um, and I, that was you know, definitely a few hundred bucks, maybe like 500, I think at the four or 500 at the end of the day. So I stretch for that. Cause you know, it's Kobe. You have to, um, yeah. Yeah. You have to, right. There's the only way to get it. Um, but for the most part, like I've been able to, to land these on a budget and then that's been part of, uh, of the, the thrill of the chase, so to speak is like, there are been times when I've passed on those cards when they pop up because of budget. Um, and that's a hard thing to do, right. Um, anytime in the hobby. And so it's given me a little bit of that discipline, but also that sense of chase. Uh, for something pretty attainable. So I think now I'm like nine short uh, of the set. Um, you know, I'm still chasing a couple of big guys like AI, Shaq, um, Vince Carter. Um, and there's a couple that are surprisingly hard to find. Um, Jason Williams, White Chocolate, um, um, Latrell Sprewell, and then um, surprisingly Penny Hardaway. I've not seen in the past year a penny hardaway pop up. So um it's giving me, yeah, I need to go go dig a little deeper. But that's definitely been a fun chase for me and something that I've enjoyed. We might have to see if uh 90s B ball cards Jake Roy has a penny in his PC and we can pry it out of his hands, maybe. Um Hopefully. all right. So about a year after that set came out, um a player named Wong GZ made his NBA debut for the Dallas Mavericks and even though he is in this year's prism which I thought was kind of an interesting inclusion <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's safe to say he's not a household name but he was the first player of Chinese descent to play in the NBA and at one point he actually signed with the Clippers as a free agent and you've talked some on your profile about the fact that you're Asian American and you've talked about the importance of Asian representation in the NBA. And I know you've written some about Jeremy Lin as well, and, and you you kind of gone through a list of players. Can you elaborate a little more on why this matters so much and, and what exactly it means to you to have that kind of representation? Yeah. Um, so like you mentioned, yeah, I am, I am Chinese American. Um, you know, I grew up playing hoops. A lot of my buddies, we all grew up playing hoops. So you know, there's always this sort of personal experience and personal connection to that. But, but like you mentioned, like, you know, Asian, Asian, especially Asian American players are like few and far between in the league. Right. Um, and so one, there's, there's that sort of fundamental issue, which, you know, could be its own separate podcast. Um, but yeah, there hasn't been a lot of just awareness about Asian players in the league, even though 
and you and I kind of talked about this uh, uh, offline, but like, you know, they're, they're, they're popular. Like if you, you name someone like, you know, Yi Jiang Ling or obviously Yao Ming, everyone knows Yao Ming, like there's been a popularity, but they've been few and, and far between. So, you know, I, I start with like, there was this guy named uh, Wat, Wat Misaka, uh, who actually was the very first Asian American who ever played in the, in, in the professional leagues. He actually uh, was drafted by the Knicks way back in like, I think it was 1947 or, or late 40s. He actually broke the color barrier to professional sports the same year Jackie Robinson did, right? And so um, that's a fact that I didn't even know. I didn't learn until, you know, a few years back when I was doing some like online reading that referenced him. I was like, oh, this is actually interesting. But like something like that, that everyone knows Jackie Robinson's story, right? There are movies, there's novels, there's books about it, but no one knows about what um, and so I think that's just an example of like the lack of awareness um, and for me what I shared you know on, on that story that you were talking about was just my own evolution about this right like you were right like Wong did play on the Clippers uh, for about a season and a half and you know I had season tickets again during that period of time and, and for me it was a little bit of like a sideshow right he was like mm -hmm. you know tall um, uh, obviously from China um wasn't that skilled right but you know had had a decent skill set and, and but really a bench player and like a deep bench player like really got you know minutes only in blowouts or, or when someone ahead of him was injured um and so i didn't really have appreciation from him like you know it was a little bit of a, a, a joke between me and my my asian friends of like oh here comes long again right it, it mm -hmm. means like you know the team's not doing so successful um but there was like a little bit of a lack of connection with them um but then it wasn't until Jeremy Lin arrived that like, you're like, okay, like this guy has a pretty similar background to me. Like he's from the West coast, um, you know, grew up playing, playing ball, um, obviously went to Harvard, but, but like not highly recruited. Like, you know, when you see him play it, athletically, he doesn't like jump off the screen kind of thing. It's like, that's relatable again to going back to when I grew up, like just playing pickup ball, you know, I played a year of high school. Like that to me is like, he is the guy and he's a lot of a guy for a lot of, you know, Asian Americans as well of like represents us. Like he's the guy I can relate to that, you know, came from a similar background, like I said, and, and, and really one of us. And so that led me to a reflection of recently about like just appreciation and wanting to honor that. So I did go back. Uh, I've been picking up more uh, long GG cards. And then what I also did is, you know, the Clippers this past year for the 75th anniversary, released a throwback jersey, like kind of honoring their past in this like really nice baby blue. It, it kind of harkens back to the San Diego Clipper days. And so I, I paid, I, I made a custom uh, Wong jersey of his number 16. He's actually the only, I think the only Clipper who was ever worn 16 with Wong on the back. And it's kind of had a dual, dual meaning because obviously, like you said, not a lot of people know him or knew that he played for the, the Clippers, but um, my mom's maiden name actually happens to be Wong as well. So for me, it's sort of a double meaning and I wear it to games and, you know, if people stop me, I want to share with it. To me, it's just about like, you know, creating a little bit of that dialogue and that awareness um, any way I can. And, and if I can do that for a jersey that I wear and someone stops me and asks me, or I was like, oh yeah, let me Google that. And, oh, I remember him. Like that to me is, is progress. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, we all know the Jeremy Lin story, but um, we, we don't know about a lot of the other Asian players and, and even the one, um, the gentleman you mentioned, and I, I can't remember his name. I'll have to look that up from the Knicks. Um, I don't remember reading about that at all. And I, I feel like I've got a 
pretty good grasp on basketball history. So now you're going to send me down some rabbit holes here. <laughs> I, I know after we get done here, I'm going to be Googling some stuff um, yeah. because I, I definitely do want to learn some more. As we near the end of today's conversation, I, I want to reiterate the fact that I love your collection. I really like going on your profile. For me, like I said, I'm not even a Clippers fan, but it's a trip down memory lane. And before we chatted, I asked you to make a list of your three favorite cards I don't, you know, I don't want to speak for you. I'm guessing that was a tough assignment. You know, it's always it hard was. to pick favorites, um, but hopefully you did it. And now that you've got your list here, um, I want you to go ahead, start with number three. Tell us how you acquired that card and uh, tell us why you like it so much. Yeah, you're right. It was a tough undertaking. Um, but my number three is this, uh, it's a 2017-18 National Treasures, uh, Danny Manning, uh, patch auto there's actually two of them uh, and i think i shared them uh on my account um and like i kind of talked about it before like danny manning is kind of what who brought me in and then to the clipper world and then meeting him in person so i felt like i really wanted to honor that and connect to that um so those there were actually three of them from that set they're numbered to 25 and they were up on ebay um for the longest time like the guy had the buy now price like pretty high up there right and i had messaged him um couldn't really get a deal done and and even though i'm one to you know if there's a card i want i'll i'll, I'll just pay that price it felt a little too much uh for for me to swallow um so i kind of like patiently waited him out um he you know did started doing best offers i threw him a couple offers still couldn't get there and then finally one day I noticed, you know, they kind of disappeared from, from the watch list and then were relisted a few days later at auction. And mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, now I'm on, like now it's on, like now I feel like, you know, I, I, I can get these. So I was fortunate enough um, after the week long auction that I actually won both of them. Again, there were three and he, I think he had ended up selling the, the third, but they're really cool because they're from, you know, the throwback jerseys, the Clipper jerseys are player worn. Um, and it's the Clippers logo, which is the red jersey background with the kind of white lettering. And what's especially cool, like you see in a lot of these older patches, like there's this bleeding from like the red to the white, like just over time where there's like a pink margin along the stitching. So it's just got this like really cool lived in feel um, that I like. And again, it, 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 it connects me to, to Danny Manning, who is one of my favorite Clippers. Um, that's what I yeah. love about these kind of activities is because <laughs> I, I never would have guessed Danny Manny. Now I know maybe, maybe once we chatted today or started chatting, I would have thought that, but prior to this conversation, I never would have picked a Danny Manning card for your list. So that is, uh, yeah. awesome. I love that. All right. Yeah. What do you have for number two? Uh, number two. So I have uh, Blake Griffin, um, who's probably my favorite clipper of all time. If, if, if I'm being until you know Kawhi and PG maybe ring a ring a winner ring, um, but there's a 2012-13 also also na national treasures. It's the notable nicknames, and um, it's a signed card that actually has his inscription that says Blake Superior on. Oh, wow. um, and and so it's just a pretty cool personalization that you know a lot of those cards I've noticed from that set, even though they're supposed to be notable nicknames, don't have an actual inscription. Right, it's just a standard auto. So when you find those it's pretty rare and unique. And this one being Blake, again, my favorite player, right? Drafted by the Clippers, obviously had that really amazing run in the first few years of Lob City. Um, it was just cool having that um, piece of kind of history. And I think, as you know, like 
because of Blake's popularity in the early days, I, there, there are quite a few Blake, it seems like Blake super collectors. So mm-hmm. for me coming late back to the hobby, it's been kind of hard trying to track those down because not a lot have been you know released out uh, for sale. People have been keeping them stored away. So when that card popped up and that was also an eBay find, um, I had to buy it right away. Like that was definitely one of the bin, bin, bin one prices that I didn't care what, what they were offering. Um, I was going to take it because I, I really wanted that one. It's kind of a cool, uh, kind of personalized uh, card for me. Yeah, it's um, it like you said, a lot of those guys do not put the nicknames in the set that you know notable nicknames. So Blake right. clearly here understood the assignment. So you know, kudos <laughs> to Blake for getting that right. Yeah. Okay, um, I I've got a a card I had been thinking of. I I'm guessing it's your number one here. I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, go ahead and give us your number one. Yeah, so it's the uh, 2506 uh, exquisite dual logo man auto with uh, Corey Maggette and Elton Brand. It's uh, you know one one from um, you know a pretty uh, popular and and unique set. And from a period of time, like I kind of talked about uh, the Clippers, where they were good, right, and they were popular, and one of my favorite squads. And so. This is another one of just fortunate, like those cards, you know, don't show up and mm-hmm. are usually stored away in in, in, in a closet or, or, or stored somewhere. And so this one actually happened to pop up on PWCC, an auction, um, like late last year, like I think right around November timeframe. And I had never bid on PWCC, right? I was just kind of like, I literally was just one day um, had some free time and just was browsing, you know, interested in, in the site and learning about their auction process. And then lo and behold, there's a one of one Corey McGiddy, right? Elton Brand that pops up. And I'm like, I, I got to have this. So I sweated it out through the auction process uh, and was fortunate enough to win. Uh, obviously, I paid a, a bit of a premium, although, you know, uh, at the end of 2021, the market was kind of trending downward. So uh, it wasn't fortunately as high as it, it could have been earlier in the year. But nevertheless, I paid a premium, but it's worth it. It's not, again one of those cards that. I just will always treasure keeping my collection, two of my favorite Clippers from one of my favorite time periods. And the best part about it is the day I got it, um, my family and I, we decided to go to the LA car show um, in downtown LA. So we drive out there um, and we're just kind of walking around. And it, the, so the, the LA car show is at the LA convention center, which is right next to Staples, like it's kind of one big complex, or I guess crypto arena. And so we're just walking around, you know, looking at all the exhibits and we walk through kind of the cafeteria area. And then at the corner of my eye, I sort of like take a second look and I turn to my wife and I'm like, I think that's Corey Maggette. <laughs> and Corey, so Corey's, for those who don't know, Corey does um, commentary for Clippers broadcast. He does like the pregame, uh, halftime and then postgame analysis. So it's not surprising. And there was actually going to be a, there was a Clipper game later that that I think in late afternoon or early evening. So it actually, you know, when I thought about it, it made sense that he probably just showed up early and decided to check out the, the car show. But he's just like sitting there chilling, like he's, you know, got a hat on, trying to be a little bit inconspicuous, but, you know, he's Corey McGetty, he stands out. Um, and so I was like, wow, it's it amazing he's there. My wife's like, yeah, you should go say hi to him. So I, I went up to him and, and you know, he kind of at first didn't really seem to be bothered, but I had my clipper hat on, he turned around and, you know, the smile on face and he agreed to take a picture. And at that point um, I didn't want to bother him, but it, like it's one of those things when, you know, you see someone, you're a little awestruck and 
back of my mind, I'm like, I should have probably told him about the card, but then I'm like, well, how do I, like, I didn't have the card with me. It's not like I was walking around with my one-on-one logo man and uh, I had just gotten it. I had a picture of it on my phone, but I don't think he would have had the patience to see to sit there and swipe through my photos and show this card. But it was just a cool moment of like, literally the same day the card arrived, I see the guy, meet the guy in person of the card that I got. So you can't even write a better Hollywood script than that. That that was like just, you know, serendipitous. It was just amazing. That's amazing awesome. Yeah. Um, my, I actually, uh, I don't know if you see it. I've got my Charlotte Bobcat shirt on yeah. right now, even though I'm a Pacers fan. <laughs> so I had, um, I had Bobcat season tickets for a year. And um, I, that also coincided or, or even it might've even been the year before I had the season tickets, I was going to games. Um, I ran into Corey Maggette and he was, that was when he was a Bobcat, which wasn't the, uh, you know, the most exciting time of his life, I'm sure. But uh, it kind of the same interaction with him. It was just kind of like, all right, I'm here, you know, not sure if he wants to be bothered. I'm not going to push him too much, but um, you know, I really enjoyed running into him because I'm, I'm like you, I have, those 2000 NBA, you know, that era is kind of seared in my memory. So um, exciting time for me, but I don't have the logo man story to go with it. Um, and that's, uh, that's something an added value to that card that nobody else will ever have. Um, and I imagine that's going to stay in your PC forever. So um, John, it's been a blast talking with you. I always love talking with team collectors. I feel like, you know, if, if I had a, a bias, it's probably towards the team collectors, but um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the show. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to plug your social media handles, anything you're working on, and, and even anything you might be looking for specifically when it comes to Clippers cards. These next few moments here are yours. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, I'm glad you had me on. Really appreciate you giving us a forum of uh, team collectors to have a voice and, and share stories like mine. Um, yeah, so people can find me on Clips Card Fan on Instagram and, and also my Twitter handle, although I'm not as active on Twitter, but you can find me there. Um, as far as stuff that I'm chasing, yeah, I'm trying to finish out the Beam Team collection. So if anyone out there's got like the Penny Hardaway or, or Jason Williams, definitely please hit me up. Uh, and I'm always, always looking for cool Clippers cards. I think one of the ones that I'm chasing is there's an Immaculate, um, I think it came out, 2016 or 15 it's the triple auto with okay. uh blake cp and jj reddick um there are a couple that came up on market like right when i got into the hobby and i just didn't pull the trigger and i trigger and i have not seen them since um they're numbered to 25 so uh not too many out there um but if anyone has a lead on that like i would love to have that car that again that's one of those that like personal collection at lop city as a big clipper fan um that i would love to own all right. Well, and I know you've shared that in a post before, so maybe we can, I can share that again and, and we'll get some graphics up this week with some of the cards you've talked about today. Uh, thanks again, John. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to John for coming on the show. Really enjoyed learning about his collecting history and learning more about his collection in general. And as I predicted toward the end of our conversation there, I ended up going down multiple rabbit holes. I was looking at Danny Manning patches I was reading about Wat Misaka. I was trying to find his documentary. I even made a custom design for a 48 Bowman card of him, which I'll probably put on social media at some point this week. So needless to say, I really enjoyed chatting with him. Maybe you did too. Um, if you want to find him on social media, make sure you look up his handle. It's there in the title. Um, as for me, if you want to reach out to me, as always, you can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. 
I'm also on Twitter under at WaxMuseumPC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.